podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. So I was having laptop issues the other day and I had to call IT. And they said, you're going to need to set a new password. So I said, what about chicken? And they said, okay, you're going to need a capital. So I said, what about chicken Kiev? <laughs> yes, yes, mate, yes. I feel like we're on a great run with these. That's, that's nice. I was still hoping for another Nate original F1 joke, but to be fair, you haven't been on a plane to do that. So. No, true, but I do have one, but I'm going to save it because I want to I do a few together again. I like, I like doing them in a cluster. I quite enjoyed that last week. Yeah, and also I think we should spread them out because we don't want all the goodness like in, in, in one go, Nate. I agree. I agree. I, some people did say I should have saved some of those for later, but I quite liked how when you listen to that, it's probably the strongest start to a, an episode we've had, the last episode. And this one's gonna, this one's gonna top it. Am I right? Well, I was worried for you, Nate, if I'm honest, because I didn't know where you could go after not only your own joke, but, but such a brilliant joke. Um, but you've delivered and you'll be pleased to know you've got a nine. That's really good. I'm really, I'm I'm pretty impressed with that. I've got to say. Very punchy. I liked it. Yeah. No, I, you know, it's, it's something we can all relate to, you know, calling IT, setting a new password, being hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) Um, no i'm glad you liked it i thought i I heard it i was like that is right up barretto street he'll love that still tailoring the jokes to me nate smart i like it because ultimately it's all about the score isn't it i thought you about to say ultimately it's all about me so i mean same thing basically Welcome to The Paddock, a podcast featuring stories following Formula One around the world. I'm Lawrence Perrette, senior writer at F1.com. And I'm Chris Medland, F1 correspondent at Racer. And I'm Nate Saunders from ESPN. Now, I just want to paint a picture for people because Lawrence Perrette is an absolute treat for the eyes. This morning, <laughs> his time, afternoon hours. So Nate and well, I to be fair, in. he's always a treat to the eyes. That's uh, true. But even more so today. Oh, yeah. stop it. It's what, 8.15, I think, now in... Uh, in 7:15. Mexico, 7.15 in Mexico City. And to get good enough Wi-Fi to do this call with us and to record this podcast, he has stood by his hotel door so everybody trying to sleep can hear him quite clearly in the corridor. Uh, and he's even <laughs> doing a backup recording on his phone. So he's there with like microphone in one hand, phone in the other, stood up because he has to be stood up based on the hotel room. It's just it's a sensational commitment, mate. I've, you know, got to hand it to you. I might even applaud. I've got to applaud. <laughs> The only being that Lawrence can't hand it to himself because he's, he's, he's holding everything. He's holding <laughs> I've got no hands free. Yeah, it is. I mean, let's get a screenshot and we'll put it on the Facebook group. Uh, it looks superb. Um, I've, I've got it. Don't you worry. I was straight yeah. on there when he was lolling away at your joke. Good. And but I was did, lolling today. Nate. Lolling. You did very well, Nate, didn't you, last week? You were... Uh, I did. Tens all round. Um, I'm just going through our Twitter mentions that are just full of people being like, this is great. I, some some work. people mentioned to me, they said, I didn't actually think you, <laughs> one person said, I didn't think you were capable of writing a good joke. And I was like, well, I Whoa. wrote seven. Yeah. But I think they didn't mean it to sound so harsh, but, you know, written down, it did seem quite harsh. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know which was my favorite one, actually. I don't know if uh, people seem to really like the nerd bird ring one. Um, but, you know, I think that's probably the one I should have saved for another week. That could have Maybe. been your second 10. Nate. It could have been. That could have been. Could have been. Although... I just think that once you get a 10, you're on, you're on fire. Everyone knows that was the 10 episode. 
Oh, so, well, no, I'm glad. I'm glad people liked it. Or liked them. Plural. Plural jokes. Well, we're, we're going to go through the joke feedback on Twitter in a bit. But first, we've got reviewing, uh, which was very well timed because I think it, oh, no, it came in at the end of October. I've just only just seen it. Never mind. Uh, and it's titled, you'll like this, Nate, much better than bear tranquilizers. <laughs> um, and it's ranked as 16% incredible jokes. Good. Uh, 49% talking about things like Santa and burgers. 10% genuinely horrific race predictions. 12% actual <laughs> F1 content and 3% poor maths. Um, and I haven't done it quickly enough, but I'm assuming the the joke there is that all of, oh no, that does add up. Ah, uh, see, I was trying to work that out quickly to see if it's, or if they had, um, yeah, made that not add up to a hundred. I think it 90%. I'm just doing it too slowly. Hold the, hold the line listeners. There's that joke in Home Alone, isn't there? When Buzz is like three things, like one, and he's like B. And then he's like D or like, and if you watch it again, you notice it when you're older, but when you're a kid, you don't notice it, but he just gets all of his letters and numbers wrong whenever he brings them up. Excellent work. Uh, yeah, this is 90%. So very strong work from, uh, Jani two plus three. Uh, but also yeah, that was only half of the review. Cause then they said, uh, not sure how much of that is objectively positive, but five stars anyway. Uh, best yeah. pod on the internet by kilometers. Viva Kyle Army, Viva Nate. P.S. Are we allowed to plug our own music? Martin Gill, check me out on the music things. If you ever need a special edition jingle straight out of South Africa, we will take you up on that jingle. Martin, mm. just just make us one. Make us one for like Nate's 60 second review. Yeah, yeah. I, I You said Viva Nate, so I'm all ears. I, I'm a sucker for compliments. So I'm now, yeah, uh, I'd love to hear it. Like, I think it needs a jingle as well, doesn't it? The, the review. Oh, because then people, people hear it and they're like, oh my God, it's review time. Um, but we don't have one this week, so I don't know why I bigged it up like that. But well, that's why people are disappointed this week. But that's true. Yeah. But no, last last week went well. There was there was lots of um, compliments on Twitter. People saying spoilers for the joke rating, but most people saying that's excellent. Um, uh, Stiano is borrowing your Nerdbird ring one. Good. Uh, I mean, they're all they're, they're in the public domain now, so please share away to your friends. Absolutely. Um, Ash Jamo says, okay, I'm not sure if I'm just overtired, but I laughed out loud at all of Nate's jokes. All tens. All wow. tens. You might be overtired. <laughs> um, and then Tally Mafra says, you have to keep your promise next time, Nate. Expectations were created around the Santa Museum, which I fully agree with. Yeah, I'm that's true. It just logistically didn't make sense on the day, but I, I appreciate, you know, if you're going to mention a Santa Museum, you've got to go to the Santa Museum. But again, not my fault if, if, if you know, it was, I think it might have been, Partly shut, or I don't know. Next time I'll go though. We'll go. We'll go to Lockhart yes. and some barbecue. Yes, we'll do a and then we'll day go. Out yeah, and we'll go to Santa we'll go to the Santa Museum, and we'll all dress up, and we'll do a Christmas special in the middle of October at the Santa Museum, and it'll be great. I'm I'm fully on board. Um, yeah, like I'm booking my flights now. You guys, and we can yourself. call the episode the Pad Ho 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 Hawk, right? <laughs> oh God, um, this is see. Everyone hears those great jokes like Nate's hilarious. It's like that was like that's like tip of the iceberg. The rest are terrible. Actually, though, really bad. It's funny you should talk about a uh, Christmas episode because we had another tweet just after we published last week's episode that said uh, it's from Katharina and she says the last episode I listened to before this one incidentally was the Christmas episode and didn't Chris Medlin promise fifty quid to a charity if Nate made him laugh with one of his own jokes? I did. I had to go and check that. I actually had to be like, yeah, did I say that? And I did. This, this, and you this... did. It shows that we have to write down all the crazy things you promise on the pod <laughs> because there's a lot of them. But you're right, he did. Um, and so I'm glad. I, 
I, I had actually forgotten that myself. So if I'd known that, I think the pressure of making Meadows laugh might have been too much. The joke might have not been very good. So I'm glad we had a listener to, to remind us. Um, so you're going to honour the, you're going to honour the, the, the pledge? Absolutely. Meadows? 50 quid to your uh, charity of your choice. And I heard a rumour that Barreto is thinking of doing the same thing because he laughed at it as well. So because I gave my first 10, I'm going to get on board as well. And I'm going to give another 50 quid to awesome. charity of your choice, Nate. Well, this is a three person thing. So I'm going to do the same thing just because I'm, you know, I made you laugh, both of you. So I'll do 50. I was going to say, let's split it between uh, Mind, which is the charity that works with McLaren, mental health charity, and Calm, which is Campaign Against Living Miserably, which I've done a run for before as well. They're a really good charity for men's mental health. But yeah, let's let's. We'll get that sorted. Um, this is like the second charity thing we've done now. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm liking it. Well, we're philanthropists. <laughs> yeah, we're just we're just here, like spreading joy and helping people, right? Apparently, right? Trying. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Barreto's not sure about the spreading joy part when he got up at seven a.m. to speak to us. But um, oh, the, guests, the other guests in the yeah. hotel also aren't. They're like, this guy doesn't spread any joy. He's waking me up. <laughs> Well, hang on. Anyone on the twelfth floor is going to be listening to an. Well, they're just going to listen to my part of the podcast. <laughs> they, they won't be able to hear you two. I bet the guy next door had a really sleepless night, and at about five minutes before you started, he was like, "Oh, here it is. I'm about to fall asleep. Perfect. Going to have a nice." And then he heard, "Welcome to the podcast." <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, "No, I don't know what this podcast so, is." First, like he heard me laughing. Oh, like, that's a true. Joke. That's true. And he's probably and like, who doesn't like to hear laughter to start? And he's probably day. like, actually, we probably, that's a good way to get listeners, isn't it? Is to keep people awake by only listening to you. So they, they hear, <laughs> they hear laughter and then they hear you intro it. Like, what is he laughing at? Uh, okay, guys, we'll talk about this off, off pod, it's, but I think we've got a, a stealthy way of getting listeners. It's a brilliant marketing strategy. I love it. Um, I just wanted to mention also that a mutual friend of ours, Akiko, who used to be, do the PR for Honda, listened to our podcast for the first time. So firstly, I'm not sure why it took 40 to 50 episodes before you listened to Kiko, but we appreciate you listening anyway. And she said that, Nate, you are hilarious oh, that's nice. um, and that we do a great job. So um, we appreciate that. Thank you very much. She's just Thanks moved to Germany. Oh, awesome. That's the key point here. Um, actually, though, that sets up a lovely segue. Like, you're, you, you're so good you didn't even know you did it. But Germany, German driver, Nico Hülkenberg, right? <gasps> we need, a, we need a jingle. For, we need a jingle for segues like that as well. So... <laughs> Jingle. Yeah, Ma- what was, what was Martin, the jingle guy's yeah. Martin, Martin, get on it. You can be our jingle guy. Yeah. Um, but uh, this is because we basically ran out of time last week because we were far too excited talking about Austin and laughing at Nate's jokes. And uh, I never spoke about what I'd done between Austin and getting home to record the podcast, which was uh, go to Alabama, which was some people thought was an error, but I disagree. Um, Sunday night, I had to finish all my work as quickly as possible at the circuit and then drive for just over three hours up to Dallas to an airport hotel where I got about four hours sleep uh, and then went to um, a different terminal and flew to Birmingham, Alabama, really early in the morning, picked up a car, drove to Barber Motorsports Park, which is very, very cool, actually. So a lot of people kind of like, you know, that sounds rough, rather go home. But when I got there, it's awesome. It's like a racetrack that looks like it's a golf course and um, just drove in, you drive around the outside and you can see parts of the track and uh, yeah, IndyCar testing was already happening. And Mr. Holkenberg was uh, running in the McLaren to see what he thought. Sorry, Barretto, I saw you just kind of looked like you wanted to say something. So I was like, well, I wanted to know if it. you played golf, which I know is not a golf podcast, but did you play golf? 
not there because it's not actually a golf course. But I did play yeah. golf this week with uh, Lawrence Edmondson, and you didn't join us, but we'll get onto that later. Because it's sorry, Lawrence back to your Bretto's actual made sport theme woes. story. Um, and just yeah, to so, clarify again, I I can't stand golf, so if you guys are listening, <laughs> I'm I'm sharing in your pain to this golf but, chat. But okay, no golf chat, uh, just IndyCar chat. So rocked up to Barber, um, was told where I needed to go, and you just drive into what's a pretty small, like nice um, but simple kind of pallet building, all really open, and there's about five or six trucks there because there's five cars running and you just park up right by the fence where you then take about five strides out of your car and you're in the pit lane so um yeah went and watched Hulkenberg doing his test and uh saw some other guys testing Carl Kirkwood just testing Frangetti uh, who's looking like a really good prospect um David Malukas as well was in there Ryan Hunter Ray was driving for Carpenter um so it was pretty busy actually for what was technically a private test but it meant I was I think the only journalist there and just got to kind of watch it and wander around. Now, Barber Motorsports Park has an awesome museum I just want to plug because it was incredible. I, I was told to go and check it out. Well, I walked in. It was huge, full of, I think it's the biggest motorcycle collection in the world. Um, and load of old, like, loads of F1 cars and, and other uh, race cars. Just loads of stuff. Um, I actually went there to try and get food and ended up eating a packet of crisps for lunch. So that's that's the uh, the diet section of the paddock. At least, at least testing lunches and dinners sound the same. Yeah. In the car to Formula One. That's like that's like winter testing, isn't it? Yeah. You're basically, the, the, like, oh, I've I've eaten I've eaten three three Starbursts today, and that's it. I was told to go to Bucky's to like buy a load of food because that's the only place I was going to get anything. Love Bucky's. Bucky's is one of the best places uh, in America. And this was this was a huge Bucky's. Bucky's for the British listeners uh, is basically like um, a massive motorway services type place, but it's uh, a petrol station at the same time. So you will get a petrol station like canopy that is half a mile long and has about 45 petrol pumps. And it's, it's just enormous. Uh, and then they have a huge shopping section as well. And it feels like you've just walked into, you know, like a petrol station, like paying area, but just times it by 10. So you just can't stop walking around and looking at nuts and sweets and all sorts of good, bad food. So uh, I was told to go there, but I never made it. I just only made it as far as the museum. But yeah, I watched Hulkenberg's test. And it was quite interesting because... Um, he clearly was uh, a bit surprised by it. It was it was a pretty physical test for him, and he was having to get used to it and find out what was just part of the challenge and what was actually going wrong. Because there's a few times uh, the team said afterwards where he was complaining that the steering might have been locking at high speed through a chicane, but it was just downforce and no power steering was making it really difficult to turn and that sort of stuff. So yeah, he, he was having to get a feel for it, and um, it was really interesting to be there and watch. Just kind of very different. Uh, type of test aid to what he'll have been used to, like five other or four other cars running, but you've got a crew of, I don't know, eight, nine guys that are working on the car and then a few engineers that are stood around like um, these, I'd say they're temporary, but they're not. They're what they're using in the car all the time, but they're kind of pit walls. Uh, they all kind of stand around in a big square and they're just the other side of, a, of what is legitimately a, a low wall um, for a pit lane in um, IndyCar. So they will just sit around there and he'll get out the car and sit on the side of the wall and chat to them and then get back in. Uh, it was all very, uh, like, cool to be close to because you could stand right by the car when it's coming in and going out and doing pit stops and all sorts. Uh, if I really wanted to, I probably could have just kind of shuffled over a bit and listened to his comments. But I thought, you know, I'd, I'd leave that bit to uh, so they have a bit of privacy on that front. But uh, he seemed to enjoy it at the time uh, and then sort of since kind of found out that doesn't think it's for him. And uh, I don't think McLaren want to go in that direction either. They, they've got a few other options and doesn't think it's a particularly good fit. So I think he announced this morning that 
he won't be going to IndyCar. So, I, you know, I went all that way and yeah. uh, it was pointless. But <laughs> I did then get to drive another two hours to Atlanta where there was nothing late at night. And I didn't know that there's a time zone difference. America, you, you blow my mind with this. I'm just driving what was a two hour drive from one city to another and think I'll get there about eight o'clock, get a bit of dinner. That'd be really nice. Sort of got some work to do and, and have a decent night's sleep. And then suddenly, because I've crossed the state line, it tells me it's now nine o'clock and the restaurants are all going to be closed. So for that, I had to order an Uber Eats dodgy pizza at 11 p.m. No, no such thing as a dodgy pizza on Uber Eats. They're all great. <laughs> Just different levels of great. It was very garlicky. Let's put it that way. Um, but no, it was, it was, it was fun to, to go and do. And first time in Atlanta and, um, yeah, to see an IndyCar test like that up close and just another thing that you guys will know. Like, how long would you say it takes an F1 team to pack up uh, at the end of a race weekend? Well, they're still doing it into the morning after, aren't they? And, and then into, yeah. the, into the day after. There was, there's been a time lapse that I've seen once and it, like the sun, I think it was testing last year. The sun rises and comes up again before they've fully finished everything. There's so many bits to it. So yeah, it takes hours. Yeah. I mean, cause it's such a complex sort of garage to put together and things like that, even for testing. Uh, within the car, I interviewed Hulkenberg when he got out of the car, uh, wandered over to, um, type some stuff up, waited for Taylor Keel, who's the head of, uh, McLaren's IndyCar team, interviewed him, uh, and then just sort of wandered into the pit lane because the sun was setting then. I was like, oh, a nice sunset photo. And as I was doing it, I realized that the pit lane was completely empty. Every <laughs> car crew, like pit garage setup thing that they put, everything had gone. Everything was in the trucks already. And some of the trucks were reversing out to leave 45 minutes after running had finished. So less than an hour after the test ended, they were packed up and ready to go, uh, which I just thought was crazy. I mean, they had a long, old drive to get back to Indianapolis, um, which I was told was going to take, yeah, a long, long time. But the, I just, as much as I know it was a simpler setup, especially for a test, it just blew my mind how quickly and simply they could pack all that down because it shows how easily you can run a, a car sometimes if it's, you know, if you plan it that way. Uh, and how how much stuff we have to put out just to run an F1 car? Yeah, I think you tweeted about that. and I thought it was pretty cool. <clears throat> and it, yeah, it and it IndyCar still being such a competitive series and such a good series, it, it, it it's quite cool that that's the case. I remember it's different at Indy because obviously they, they bring more with them. But even then, when I went to the Indy 500, like you could see the pack up operation. I went, I think I've told the story about going to find Andretti afterwards, and I was amazed that when I got into the garage, I was looking around and pretty much. Like this was maybe an hour after the race. They were pretty much ready to leave, you know, mm. not fully, but they were almost ready to just get out of there. And they were even like, we, we usually let the fans get out and then we start moving out ourselves, which, yeah, we're, we're just used to kind of leaving the paddock when it's dark several hours after the race have finished. And they're kind of, there's all kind of chaos and pandemonium, um, you know, going on outside. Um, on Hulkenberg, I, I, it's quite interesting because I always thought a guy like that, a series like IndyCar for a guy that, you know, famously didn't get the podium, didn't get the win in F1. I felt like that series for him would be quite appealing, you know, like a chance to have a really competitive series like Grosjean and Ericsson have, well, Ericsson won two races last year, I think, and Grosjean got on the podium. So like both those guys, you know, relish that competitiveness. And obviously Alex Rossi went there, won the Indy 500 as a rookie. I'm surprised, you know, and I'm sure there's lots of reasons, but it's just, it, it, it seemed like it might be a nice fit for him. You know, I've always thought that him and people like Magnussen would end up in IndyCar. I know Magnussen did that race last year in, in place of uh, Rosenquist, didn't he? But um, that would have been great, just you know, if, if we'd had Magnussen and Hulkenberg both doing it because of their their previous. But but yeah, guys like that, I feel like is the kind of drivers IndyCar 
should be like looking at getting into the series. So yeah, it's a it's a weird one. Yeah, I, th- I think a big part of it was that he had a uh, a daughter six weeks ago, five weeks ago. Like he's he's a very new father, um, and I think it's just you've got to be fully committed to be like, yeah, this is going to be my future for the next few years. Like I love this, I really want to do it. And if you've got any doubts, then to uproot your family because he, he said his family were were up for the move to the US for like the new adventure if it all came together. But to make them do that, if you're not sure. Um, you can totally understand why he'd actually decide maybe not. Whereas someone like Grosjean obviously had the one year finding out, uh, but he had an older family. Like his, I think he's got three children and all of them are sort of primary school age, I think now, or at least the youngest is not far off that. And maybe a little bit more kind of, I don't know, it, it just feels like he knows where he wants to move his life or was more comfortable with doing that. Whereas for Hulkenberg, he's probably still figuring it all out. So um, part of me kind of respects that. Um, and, you know, I think the test came together quite late. So I don't think he'd done much training for it or had much time to prepare in that sense as well. So maybe it wasn't that enjoyable. And, you know, it's quite a tall driver. It gets hot in those cars. Like there's lots of little things that you don't think of that could make it a less pleasant experience than you'd expect. And, you know, not every driver is going to get in every car and love it. So, um, yeah, it was a bit of a shame. But uh, I'm with you. I'd like to see Magnuson have a go at that. Yeah, it's a good point on all those things. Um, you know, they do they do add up. And, yeah, Magnuson, um, we, I think we need, to, we, we need to start a petition to get Magnuson out there because, <laughs> you know, he just kind You've of been long keen for this to happen, haven't you, Nate? I've, yeah, I've always wanted it. I, I think since he left, I was like, he needs to go to IndyCar. I think he'd, I think he'd, I think he'd do really well. Yeah, I think it'd really suit him as well. But um, we'll see if we get him over there. Speaking of getting people over there, like Nate and I are not over there in Mexico, but um, Barreto is. And how was the journey, Barreto? How is your hotel looking? I mean, we can't see the view out your window, but I'm sure it's stunning from the penthouse suite. <laughs> there's no uh there's no sauna in this one uh no disco ball either unfortunately no fireplace um but i do have a lovely view of the hotel swimming pool and the giant flag here in mexico city which i'm sure you boys uh, yeah, have seen amazing. on many many occasions so uh that for me is a particular highlight um it's good to be here um it was sad to miss this race last year um admittedly my race is going to involve hotel to circuit circuit to hotel so i'm not actually going to get to see um the city itself all that much but um already it's just exciting to be here i love how the hotel foyer is already um um dressed up in day of the dead kind of stuff like the skulls everywhere they really go to town here um to celebrate that festival um the 12-hour flight i've forgotten how long a flight it is and having done a 10-hour flight or whatever it is for Boston last week um, and having just moved back onto the uk time zone i'm now struggling i was up at three and three thirty this morning like as in my first wake up and i've tossed and turned until i got to see your lovely faces but um it's been a it's been a bit of a struggle but uh looking forward to getting to the track later today um and i actually i suppose i should mention a cool thing that i did before i got here which was um i co-hosted f1 esports um at the Gfinity studio in um, Fulham Broadway last week. So it was my first opportunity to sit behind a desk with like all the big floodlights on your face, like there's an auto queue. Um, I know that sounds really lame, but like when I was younger, I used to watch all those TV shows where about newsrooms and um, I really like the show like the newsroom watching the morning show on Apple TV as well now. And I always, I think when I was a younger kid, quite fancied being a TV anchor. Um, not that I ever thought I could do it. And obviously this wasn't anything like it, but it was an opportunity to sit behind a desk and um, feel a little bit like what it was like. Um, and I absolutely loved it. Wow. Mate, you nailed it. Um, I think you did a great job. 
from the, I only saw I only saw bits of it, but I was always like, "There's our boy, doing good." I'll admit, um, I I watched none of it because I was at uh, some media drinks that we were all three invited to, and Nate bailed on. <laughs> yeah. uh, and Barreto joined us on, uh, afterwards, and we complained about Nate's lack of. Show, yeah, I, so. I, I I didn't make it. I know there there was clips the following day on Twitter that you could have seen, so that's not a good excuse. I'll go seek them out. <laughs> I was going to ask uh, Lawrence, being in Mexico, mm. one of the one of the coolest things about going to Mexico that I always tell people is. Perez over there is like the like a suit like superstar like beyond a lot of drivers like beyond what you would imagine. And when I was last there was 2019, and he was obviously at Racing Point. He hadn't won a race, but he was still like a superstar. Mm-hmm. He's since now moved to Red Bull. He's won two races. Like, is it even bigger over there? Like when you because I remember getting out, you get out of the airport, and there's that massive mural kind of advert for him right outside. Mm-hmm. And then driving in, you see like maybe every, not not even ten minutes, like every minute, there's like a like Perez is you know drinking this drink or Perez. There's is, a billboard, yeah. There's yeah, billboards there's all everywhere. over the place. And has that is, does that feel even bigger this year? Because everyone's kind of like we well, could at, at the very least get a podium this year, if not win. I mean, win might be interesting with team orders and stuff, but like podium seems very likely. So from what I felt so far, um, I've only really got the drive from the airport to the hotel to kind of feel what it's like but i'd say if not more there's there's the same level if not more billboards of checo everywhere the airport itself actually had it there were stands and it's just checo merchandise everywhere but the thing that was surprising for me here is the people in the hotel like when you're checking in the concierge that just the people you bump into all just say is checo gonna win this weekend which i think is interesting because obviously they there is an interest for Formula One generally here, and there was always an interest for Checo. But I think the difference is this year they think he can win, and so I guess the more if you're just interested in sport, you're going to take a little bit more of an interest in in the Formula One race this weekend. And um, so I can't wait to see what the atmosphere is going to be like when I get to the circuit. But yeah, I generally do think the the general chatter, especially from the boys who went down to the demo that he did yesterday in in downtown, um, said that the turnout was like humongous i don't know if you guys have watched any of the footage that red bull have put out i saw some today it looked ridiculous like um, i saw they said one hundred and forty thousand for that and and which is that i mean that's like the austin uh yeah race day attendance so that's that's nuts so um and just to do that on on a working day effectively i think that's an 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 incredible turnout so i'm interested do you boys think he can win this weekend well our ESPN, my sorry, my ESPN Mexico colleagues are super excited about this. Like they sent us a run plan about all these, you know, they're like, can he win and all this stuff. And I feel like we're walking towards a really kind of depressing Sunday where I, to be honest with you, I don't, Perez hasn't really been close to Max like this season, but I feel like if there's anywhere where he will be up for it and he's going to be, because he's always actually been pretty good at his home race. Um, I just, I just would hate the situation where you've got like Perez is out in the lead, Max is second, and Red Bull, Red Bull would be within their rights to say you've got to move over and give Max. They'd be stupid not to do that. Like you know, if Perez wanted to be in the championship fight, he should have won more races, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, like all of that. But imagine doing that to Perez, and he'll still be like, I got the podium, but it would just be like, oh man, like you get a Mexican driver leading the Mexican Grand Prix, and you've got to get him out of the way. So um, that would be kind of gutting, but I suppose it would be. You know, it would be something to write about. It'd be an interesting storyline. And it sounds like Perez is kind of, he's been asked about it already. And he said, look, we make those decisions. The team makes those decisions in the moment. I don't think he would ignore those. Like, why would you? 
it's, it's, I saw people say, oh, he's got his new contract. He can ignore them. It's like, well, contracts, A, can be torn up. And B, at Red Bull, you can be demoted on your contract. Like, your contract is to drive for one of the one of the four Red Bull cars. So Helmut Marco could just be like, all right, we'll see you later. See you next year. And then he'd be like, who can I promote? Uh, he'd look at Gasly and be like, probably not Gasly. <laughs> probably not Yuki. So he'd keep Perez, actually. But, but yeah, so <laughs> someone tweeted that at me the other day. He, he would have big consequences if he didn't. Um, I mean, he can win. I just don't think he will. Uh, yeah. It would need Max and Lewis to like collide or something. If that happened and Perez went and won it and those two were fighting for like third, I think that would be the best scenario for the season and for the championship. You'd get some, some more drama. Um, but also you'd get to see Perez win that home race. Cause I think that would be like one of the biggest victories in F1. Like it would just be, be super special. Yeah. I think he's only likely to win it if. There's a if Max isn't second, basically, like even if Max is third and and you know they they can't then they're not going to throw away the win to get Max extra points. But yeah, they will exactly. they will swap their cars around if it's one and two, I think, or they're you know more likely to. Um, and realistically, I think maybe Baku Checo was as quick as Max um, during the race weekend, but I don't think there's been anywhere else where you turn around and be like, okay, like he's he's on his level across a race distance and across you know qualifying the whole weekend. So it's a big ask for him just to step up for this one, especially with the pressure he's under. I just think it would be, yeah, a heck of a result for him to get on the podium. Um, and for Red Bull, it'd be a dream if it means he's just ahead of Lewis wherever he finishes. So yeah, I, I can see him. I can see him getting pole on Saturday. I can see him like absolutely on it, getting pole. Then over the race, Max is better. Oh, Max is quicker. Just gets ahead. You know, it's it's going to be. It is great though that he is in a car that we can have these talks like. You yeah, know, it's people talk about yeah British bias and stuff and Hamilton winning at Silverstone, but you see a crowd go crazy for that sort of thing. You love to see, like I mean, Ricardo winning at Monza was cool, but you'd love to see Ferrari winning at Monza because of the what the fans then get out of it. Max obviously winning at Zandvoort was incredible, so this is one way you'd love to see Checo do it. Um, and yeah, it would be very cool if he did. I, I tell you, it would be actually as well, um, very very special if if they are running one two and either Red Bull don't change them or Max doesn't ask to. Um, because, I mean, that would be a very ballsy thing to do. Yeah, it really would. But, you know, Checo's been a good wingman to him so far this year. And it's just, you know, I I don't know what whether I'd risk that because you don't know what's coming up next. But if they're running one and two, it means that the form book we're expecting is playing out, which would mean you'd expect Red Bull to be strong again at Brazil. And Max would then be extending his lead regardless, even if Lewis was third. So... All the things point to you could you could maybe just leave them as they are, but oh, um, it's too risky though. It would be too risky. You'll never forgive yourself at the end of the year if yeah. it comes down to the points that you lost there. Max, I think you're right though. I think Max would feel a bit. I don't think any driver likes being let through. To be honest, I don't Agreed. think many drivers like. <clears throat> you know, everyone says, "Oh, you know, this driver got team orders." It's like, yeah, well, you know, they, they if if it was up to them, they would have been better on the day and have been ahead of their teammate. And they don't, you know, being let through is almost like that guy was quicker than you. And you only won because they let you through. But yeah, I think the risk of just not, and you know, Horner and Red Bull, they've been in those situations, tight title fights before. And I just think you, you just can't leave anything to chance. I remember 2010. Do you remember the Korean Grand Prix that year when Vettel had that issue? It looked like it was either Red Bulls. It was one of the Red Bulls to, to lose at that point. Weber spun out early. Vettel had that engine issue. And then Alonso won. And suddenly it was like, Oh my God, this is Alonso's championship. And obviously it then, it still went to Vettel, but. It just shows you, like, in, in, in one race, things can turn around, and Max could win this and then retire in Brazil, and, Lu- and Lewis could be going into Qatar ahead of the championship if he wins that race. So I think it would be way too risky to do, and you'd almost be tempting fate. You'd be like, come on, 
Like, bring it on. We've won it. Like it, it would almost that would almost be the more arrogant decision than team orders, if that makes sense. Yeah, team orders no. is the smart one to do. I agree with you though. If if if, if Max was like, no, this is this is Sergio's day, you'd be like, oh my god, what what a hero. Yeah, a hero, but I'd yeah. also be like, what a fool, <laughs> yeah. what a foolish foolish hero. <laughs> Um, yeah, we'll, we'll so, make our minds up at the end of the season, won't we? We'll be like, oh, yeah, it, was, exactly. it was brilliant of him to do that, or it was stupid of him to do that. But, um, have, have you got anything special lined up for the weekend, Barretto, while you're over there then? Apart from, um, being part of the Checo hype? Um, I'm doing a track walk with Esteban Gutierrez, um, which will be cool for F1 TV pre-race show. Um, obviously he knows the place I've driven here and he knows a little bit about, uh, the, the excitement for, for Mexican. Uh, drivers or the desire to have success uh, in Mexico. Um, I'm doing some stuff for Channel 4 as well on Saturday and Sunday with DC, um, which should be fun. Um, and try, starting to think about um, stories that we can kind of cover for Kimmy, because he's obviously leaving at the end of the year. So starting to try and gather some stuff to give him a good send-off at the end of the year. Not that I imagine he'll be that fussed, but I'm going to miss him, so I'd like to make a fuss of him before he goes. Yeah, he'll definitely be missed. I think um, be one of those things that next year people will be like, "Oh, Kimmy's not around." You know, it will be more. I think it'll be more impactful next year than kind of yeah. him leaving in at the end of the year. Um, yeah, there was a cool story actually, a quick one about Lawrence Evanson. So he did an interview with Kimmy in Austin, uh, and Kimmy just because of engineering and stuff was was late for this interview. Um, and you know, Lawrence, you know, like we've all been in that situation. You just kind of sit and you you just wait. You know, you know. They're, they're getting through a schedule that gets you eventually did a really great interview. Um, and then Kimmy's team said, we're really sorry. Thank you for waiting. And they gave him like a signed Kimmy hat and, you know, oh. and took a nice long lens picture of him chatting to, to Kimmy in the paddock, which is always nice for, for us guys to kind of just, you know, in years to come to look back on. So that was quite nice of Kimmy and his team to do that. Um, and I think he was only like 15 minutes late, which in the context of a day isn't that big, but, um, yeah, it shows that, you know, that they still kind of respect the, um, the way things are on a Thursday. We should do an episode about Kimmy, I think, at some point, because I think we've got many stories that we can tell, and I think he's awesome. So uh, I think, yeah, we should definitely do that. We can expand a bit more on what, what was in that interview and stuff. Yeah, and, and I'm going to now go back and have a look at uh, which interviews I was kept waiting for the longest by any team and see <laughs> what they can retrospectively send me, because, you know, if it's a cap <laughs> for 15 minutes, I reckon I've got one that was delayed by, like, a couple of races, that I could, I could certainly get. You could get, you could get the whole car. Yeah, the That's whole yeah. Fun wing at least. Yeah, okay, a whole car. Yeah, whole car. Go Another for the But um, Brett, so we're going to have to let you go in a sec, I think, because you've probably got yeah. work to do. Whereas uh, Nate and I are doing it from London town, but partly because whoop, whoop, it's Nate's birthday this weekend, so um, it is. We're going to, we're going to meet up and have a drink to celebrate that at a very weird time around the race weekend. <laughs> yeah, so I'm still working on my birthday because I'm a professional. Uh, but it's pray. not until 8 p.m. Yeah. So, uh, I might, I'll have a beer or two, uh, you know, in, in anticipation of that race. Of, and, sorry, uh, of qualifying. So. And we'll get Bretto in on the call at the time. So it'll be about, I don't know, 4 a.m. your time, Bretto. You can join us for a bit. <laughs> that sounds good. That's fine. Yeah. You, know, you can wake up to me, Nate, that I can do that. <laughs> Thanks, mate. You, um, you, your hotel neighbors were just about forgiven you by then. <laughs> and then they'll be like, not this guy again. This guy. Yeah. And his laugh. Damn it, his laugh. <laughs> All right, boys. Well, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure as always. And thanks to everyone who is listening as well. Please remember to hit the subscribe button and follow us on our social channels. You can read my stuff on F1.com, Chris's stuff on Racer.com and Nate's stuff on ESPN.com. And we will do this again very, very soon. 
Adiós. Bye. Podcast Network.